This is The Big Pond. I'm Jocelyn Robinson, and this is a story about identity. Some might think it's a story about race, but let's be perfectly clear. Race is a social construct, an idea or notion that people agree to accept as reality. The truth is, there's no biological basis for differences in skin color or hair texture or eye color. They're merely adaptations over time to a given environment. If anything, we're all the same race, the human race. So while race may not be real, the experience of race is very real. And historically, that experience has been complex. It's even more so for people whose parents have different racialized identities. I should know. My dad was a black airman from Ohio, and my mother a white shop girl from Liverpool, England. I've lived that complexity all my life. In the U.S., laws prohibiting people of different so-called races from marrying one another had been around since the 1690s. In order to perpetuate slavery, they dictated who was black and who wasn't. The last of those laws finally fell in 1967 with the Loving v. Virginia Supreme Court decision, but they continue to have an effect on how we understand the concept of race today. To get a better grasp of this, I spoke with scholar Reiner Spencer from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. As a philosopher guided by logic, Dr. Spencer rejects the idea of race and questions the notion of one drop of black blood or hypodescent determining one's identity. He says it's as much about whiteness as it is about determining who is black. Hypodescent is the idea, the notion, that when you mix these two biologically, the resulting child takes the lower status. So if you have a white person and a black person who have sex, whether it's a white woman and a black man or, or a white man and a black woman, the resulting child takes the lower status, which is going to be the black status. So we can say that the child is black, or if we want to be a little more nuanced, we could say that the child is mixed. Um, and that's, I mean, that's essentially the definition of hypodescent. Or the one-drop rule, as it is known. Right. But what folks don't see about hypodescent is that it also includes the idea that whiteness is purity. If whiteness is mixed with blackness or anything else, it becomes non non-white. So there's two sides of hypodescent. One is a side that, that says if you're, if you're mixed, you're black, but the, the corollary of that is that you can't be white if you're mixed. As important as framing blackness, hypodescent is about maintaining white purity because it implicitly is, you know, a, a kind of admission that, that whiteness is superior. Spencer understands this fallacy all too well. He's also lived this experience. His parents met in Nuremberg in 1954. His father was a black soldier from Oklahoma, and his mom was a German woman who worked in the PX. They married and moved to the States, and Spencer was born in 56. His sense of identity was largely shaped by the mostly African-American community in Brooklyn, New York, where he was raised. So in this environment, um, my earliest recollection, my, my, all of the friends in the neighborhood were, were black. And my earliest recollections were, one, considering just understanding that I was black. However, my mother would often introduce, she would always say, um, you're mixed. Um, so I never got that from my mother. For my mother, it was always, you're mixed. But then I'm living in a black um, neighborhood, and there are people of all complexions, some lighter than me, many darker than me. Um, so it's just the atmospheric understanding. There's never a moment, right, when I, I never thought I was white or unraced and then realized I was black. 
right? It just the atmosphere was always I was black, and from my mother that I'm mixed. Um, so I never had any kind of epiphany that oh suddenly I'm black. So you just you just for me it was just growing up, and it's the entire culture, right? I mean it's hypo descent. You know, um, you have a black parent, you you know have this skin color or this hair texture, and you're obviously black. So that that was always the norm to me to understand myself as as being black. Obviously, this interplay of black and white isn't uniquely American. But the American legal codification of race informs the identities and experiences of people of African descent all over the planet. And sometimes it does so in subtle ways. I was reminded of this at an art exhibit, and of all places, the heart of Berlin, Germany. That's the sound of the Black Image Corporation, on display at the Gropiusbau Art Museum through July 2019. It's an interactive installation curated by American artist Theaster Gates that gives insight into the formation and maintenance of African-American identity. Using archives from the Johnson Publishing Company, the Chicago-based publisher of Ebony and Jet magazines from the 1940s to its recent bankruptcy, Gates engaged the Berlin audience in exploring representations of African-American beauty, culture, and identity. Walking through the gallery, the viewers see stacks of the two periodicals in display cases. There's also a table holding dozens of black and white photos. Taken for the magazines, they are images of everyday black folks doing everyday things, and of famous black Americans, like Muhammad Ali, Coretta Scott King, and Eartha Kitt. The photos can be handled and examined after donning white cotton archivist's gloves. Large-scale photos of stunning black fashion models hang on the white gallery walls, and freestanding cabinets contain smaller framed photographs that visitors can peruse and select for display. A monitor loops a video featuring shots of the company's stylish Michigan Avenue headquarters, filling the space with the experimental soundtrack of Theaster Gate's musical project, The Black Monks of Mississippi. All the materials convey a sense of African-American cultural aesthetic. That of black is beautiful. The importance of this archive was demonstrated by its recent acquisition by four powerful U.S. foundations, the Ford, Mellon, and MacArthur Foundations and the J. Paul Getty Trust. They came together to purchase the entire collection for $30 million in Johnson Publishing's bankruptcy proceedings. The archive contains over 4 million images and 10,000 hours of audiovisual materials that chronicle African-American life in the 20th century. It will be donated to the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture and other cultural organizations. The exhibit reminded me that in the U.S., the black community forms and reinforces identity. Seeing images of people who look like you is vital to knowing who you are. We take for granted how a critical mass of darker-skinned people of every shade gives us a sense of belonging, how even those magazine images reinforce our sense of self and where we fit in. I was unsure. I never knew my identity. I knew I was different than the rest of my surroundings, my, my friends, family, and I didn't have the right term. Some called us mixed, like Michelin, but I never liked this term because it's like mixed up, like Michelin, like a mule is mixed so, and I had no other term for it. That's Yasmin Edding. She lives in Berlin now, but was born in Bavaria in 1960. 
Yasmin is one of the tens of thousands of Germans with a non-German father born in the post-war years. Her dad was also a black GI from the U.S., but Yasmin did not have a community that looked like her to help shape her identity as a German of African descent. There were no black magazines, no black teachers or next-door neighbors, no black community to provide role models for her and her six siblings. Only after a while, after a long while, then, you know, we learned that we are not mixed, not uh, the N-word or so, or, or mulatto, or half-caste or something. The term Afro-German came up, or Black German. So it was something, it was the beginning for my identity, or new identity. So with this, I, you know, I can live much better. As she speaks, I'm struck by the language she uses to describe our common experience. In English, whether we acknowledge race as a biological reality or not, we use a term like mixed race as a sort of shorthand for the complex reality of it. But in German, there is no direct translation of the term. If anything, it's considered derogatory. It was a book published in 1986 that changed Yasmin's life. Farbe bekennen, Afro-Deutsche Frauen auf den Spüren ihrer Geschichten, or Showing Our Colors, Afro-German Women Speak Out, gave her the language she needed. Its stories of empowerment raised the consciousness of a generation of Germans and helped inspire organizations that continue to work toward bettering the lives of people of color in Germany today. Actually, Katerina Okuntoye, she was the one who, what will I say, created or invented or so came up with the term Afro-German. And she is one of the authors from Farbe Beginning, uh, Showing Our Colors, which you might know. Yeah, and um, after I read Farbe Beginning and after we founded our women's organization, ADEFRA, or even the ISD, Initiative Schwarze Menschen in Deutschland, Organization of Black People in Germany. So that was the beginning of getting more in touch with other black people, with black German people in our organization. At the beginning, mostly Germans, black Germans were involved, like African-Americans, Africans came later. So, and from this day on, it was like a, a black coming out. From this day on, my blackness, you know, I showed my blackness. It was like, uh, yeah. Yasmin Aiding's story of self-discovery has been captured along with those of others born of black American fathers and German mothers after the war, many of whom were raised in orphanages or adopted by black families in the United States. Some never knew another black person until well into their 30s or 40s. Another book published in Germany just three years ago puts these stories into historical context. The English translation, Children of the Liberation, Transatlantic Experiences and Perspectives of Black Germans of the Postwar Generations, will be out in the fall of 2019. Like Reiner Spencer, from whom we heard earlier, author Marianne Croft, a retired literature professor, used exploration into her own identity to inspire a long academic career. I visited Dr. Croft at her sunny home office near the shores of Lake Tegel. I'm not so much a person who wants to focus on the tragic of any life stories. But when it comes to black people in, in Germany, in particular people of my generation, I mean, I'm 73 now, was born a year after the war, and of course I know personally uh, there are, of course, tragic stories. But there are also other stories, 
And um, even when it comes to the tragic stories, I think it doesn't help to focus on the, on the tragic um, if you want to empower people. You have to um, in, well, focus on um, the successful life stories. Um, I, I don't mean this um, um, as far as the economy is concerned or education or something, but um, with success, I mean if you can identify with yourself, if you can say, well, this is who I am. In, in Germany, there are many black people of African-American and German um, descent who um, have been active in various political movements, starting with the peace movement in the 1970s to the feminist movement. Um, some are very active in education. Of course, as I said, not all of them, but there are these positive stories that can empower also those who um, perhaps had not that much uh, success or, or, or possibilities or opportunities uh, in their lives. It's very different if you compare the United States with Germany and um, in particular, if you compare uh, black people of um, German and African or African-American descent in the United States, these people still are in search for their identity, and they focus very much on um, wanting to find out the, the history uh, of their uh, biological German families, and thus have a very sometimes a very idealized um, image of Germany. Whereas in Germany, it's the other way around, of course. Many have um, been in search for their African-American um, fathers. Uh, there, there is a difference, but I must say there are also similarities because in both countries, um, black people, and, and in particular right after the war, have ex experienced racism and uh, exclusion and marginalization and discrimination. So... Um, these are um, things one um, or these different groups uh, could come together over and and uh, and unite. According to an article on the Black German Cultural Society website, nearly a hundred thousand babies with foreign fathers were born in Germany in the post-war years, and about five thousand of those had African American fathers. But Germany isn't the only country where American servicemen found themselves in the decade after World War II. In the early fifties. My own father was stationed at Burtonwood Air Force Base in the north of England, where he met my mom. Just like Reiner Spencer's parents, they married in 54, and I, too, was born in 1956. Um, the black people in Germany of the post-war generation like me, or the adoptees of that generation in the United States, there um, is... Um, um, a similar um, situation, I just saw, I guess it was not The Guardian or Guardian Online, um, this um, uh, children who uh, were left behind, meaning um, children of black servicemen who were stationed in Britain and, uh, and white women. And um, I think these connections are, are very important to have too. What I personally, and again we come to language, then um, the, the title of that uh, piece was uh, Brown Baby. And um, I really get angry, I must admit, when I hear that term. I said years before, when somebody asked me, are you a brown baby too? I said, no, listen, I've stopped being a baby a long time ago, and I'm not brown, I identify as black. So um, this perhaps, when it comes to language, this is important um, to, um, well, to recognize. It's a matter of self-definition 
and a matter of power. And if I use any term of which you tell me that it's hurtful for you, I better not use it again and not insist on my privilege to have the power to use it. I myself, of course, I, I am German, I identify as German, but I also identify as black, and black in the political uh, meaning of, of the word, not um, referring to skin color, but um, saying, well, referring to black history, not only in Germany, not only in the United States, but not only in Africa, but worldwide. So um, just um, next week, I'll be attending the, um, in Portugal, the um, Afro-Europeans conference, because there are black people uh, all over Europe, even in Sweden or in, 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 in Russia. And uh, this is um, a thing many people um, just don't know about. So what galvanized black German people into self-awareness wasn't the critical mass of a black community or the corporate image of black American progress and achievement as seen in Ebony magazine. It was a black lesbian feminist mother warrior poet. I feel a real lift in coming to Berlin. I think that the women's movement in Berlin is, how do you say, stark, and it has a lot of life and vitality. And it makes my heart sing to see what is possible. In 1984, poet and activist Audre Lorde arrived in Berlin to teach at the John F. Kennedy Institute at the Freie Universität. Showing our colors may have fanned the flames of Afro-German consciousness, but it was Audre Lorde who lit the match. I never thought of Afro-German as a positive concept before, she said, speaking out of the pain of having to live a difference that has no name. Audre Lorde died in 1992, but her effect on black German women was lasting. 20 years after her death, the 2012 documentary Audre Lorde, The Berlin Years, 1984-1992, produced by Dagmar Schultz, a feminist scholar and friend of Lorde, provides an overview of the influence she had on emerging Afro-German identity. I am excited by these women, by their blossoming sense of identity as they begin to say in one way or another... Let us be ourselves now as we define us. Uns zu vermitteln, ihr müsst ne, euch zusammentun und zeigen, dass ihr da seid. Dr. Croft, also a friend and colleague of Audre Lorde, is among the voices featured in the film, and the founding members of Adefra, Yasmin Edding, Ria Chidem, and Judy Gumich, offer their memories of Lorde in the documentary. On a hot summer afternoon, I sat in Ria's Kreuzberg kitchen with her, Yasmin, and Judy. All three are children of the liberation, and more than friends or colleagues, they've been in sisterhood for over three decades. We talked about their lives, their activist work, and the continuing impact of Lord's time in Berlin. English. Like Audre Lorde, she, she was the spark who made the movement going on. Or yeah, And she also told us, you have to write down your stories, you have to write. You know, mm. yes. that's what we did. What we did. Thank you, Audrey. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she came. What you said, Rian, um, really to to look for black people mm-hmm. because you said yes. the, our brothers, our fathers were here, so there must be there have to be some some black children. Yes. 
and some black people, mm -hmm. and she was mm -hmm. looking for. She them. was looking for, yes. And met Katarina. Mm -hmm. That and was the Alice. beginning. Yeah, and my and then my mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and so. and I remember one of of uh, it, it was not a conference, but she was uh, talking mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in the audience mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. in Stuttgart. No, and there was a lot of, of white people, of course, and and few of us uh, we were sitting, you know, like this. Spread out. Yes, and before she ended up her speech, she said, "Okay, and now I want that all white women go out from the room." And the black people stay there and go, go bef not before they have make connection. Oh, I can't Talk to each other. Mm -hmm. to each other. Yeah. Yes, and this is what we did. Yeah. Make connection, and thus make community. This solidarity changed the lives of Germans of African descent, paving the way for future generations to self-define their identities and community continues to be defining when it comes to people of dual heritage, whether in Germany or in the United States. Hier, wo ich aufstehe und mich hinsitze. Und, um, man kann ein That's Daphne Warren, demonstrating circumlocution, or language acquisition, through using context. She's a high school German teacher in Plano, Texas, and she was born right around the time that Audre Lorde sparked the Afro-German movement. Unlike the children born in the post-war years, she's always been able to claim both her black and German roots. ...in my description, and using different ways to describe where you can place a chair, which is under a table, or it can sit alone. I also stood up and sat down. I was to, born in Germany. Um, I um, come from an interracial relationship. My parents are, well, my mother is from Germany, and um, my father is from Memphis. He is African American, my mother's Caucasian, and I personally identify as African American German. Uh, sometimes that changes depending on the convenience. <laughs> I remember one time going to the airport and needing to um, justify that I had a German passport because I was questioned and held up, and it was very convenient for me to answer in German and to emphasize that I am German. Daphne's parents lived in the U.S. for a time, but they relocated to Germany when she was a child. Her sister lives there, too. The town of Hergel, far in the north, is home, and as much a part of Daphne's identity as Memphis. She still speaks with her mother on the daily. But she returned to Tennessee during high school to live with her grandmother, even working in her aunt's soul food restaurant. And now married with two boys, that's where she feels most herself. Now that I am in my 30s, I feel like I fit more in when I'm in Memphis. Even being in Texas, I feel out of place. Um, and I don't know if it's because I was around the Southern culture so much that it's just ingrained in me. But I, there's just something about being around people of color, African-Americans, my other half, that makes me feel whole. I don't feel that I have to pretend. I don't feel that I have to be a certain way. Um, I do have to wear my hair a certain way, unfortunately, because if I wear my hair curly, they're like, girl, you need to do your hair. <laughs> so that's 
something that my grandmother would always say. But um, I, I feel a stronger connection to my paternal side than my maternal side. And that could also be because on my mother's side, I was never close to my uncle's. Um, I have my mother has two brothers, and uh, we never formed a, a close knit relationship. That's probably also cultural as well. Uh, in America, we spend every holiday together, we celebrate it together, and because of the restaurant background, we always cooked together, and so that was just that close knit feeling was always there, and. I miss that a lot, but um, that's where I feel most myself when I'm in Memphis. Yeah. As a language teacher, almost every year Warren takes students abroad to visit her home country. They're often surprised at the diversity they encounter, especially in a city like Berlin. I, uh, I try to educate my students as much as I can. Uh, Many come to me thinking that Germany is just a certain look. And I have to let them know, no, we we are a rainbow of so many different kinds of people. And when you walk the streets, you will never know that you are standing next to a native until they open their mouths based on your assumptions. And it's, it's the most, um, interesting and magical experience, I should say, to see that. Um, I have recently been following some young mothers who are African and German on Instagram and listening to the conversations that they record with their children. It just warms my heart because I remember being that young biracial child and, and people looking at me funny and but I could speak the language and them not expecting it. As we all grow older, us mixed children, we are getting a stronger voice. And I feel like it is, thank goodness, with social media being spread and and being disseminated much faster than it could ever be. So um, the fight continues, shall I say. (laughs) And uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. Whether Afro-German or African-American, black, white, or mixed, race is still a social construct, and one drop of blood doesn't define identity. But shared history does. Being connected does, even if it's digitally. And community does. Family does, whether it's through blood or by choice. Telling our stories does. It strengthens us. It empowers us to show our colors. And that's how we know who we are. Wunderbar Together. You've been listening to The Big Pond, a series of dialogues between Germans and Americans, coming to you from PRX and the Goethe Institute.